Hi, welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Wen Chan, and I'll be your host for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with feminist issues across Edmonton and around the world. For today's episode, we're going to feature a conversation about mentorship within academia. This conversation was sparked by a paper that was recently published in Nature Communications. This paper concluded that women benefit more from having a man as a mentor rather than having other women mentors. As one could imagine, this sparked a huge amount of controversy within the scientific community. Here to discuss this paper, as well as the broader topic of women mentors in academia, is Adam and Eve contributor Rose Eva Forrest Jenkins and master's student in the Biological Sciences Department, Kimberly Barrett. And note that since this conversation revolves around a scientific paper where the terms male and female are used to describe gender, specifically men and women in this case, the guests also use these terms for clarity. However, we would like to note that these terms man and woman are not expansive of the full gender spectrum. While male and female are used to describe biological sex, we want to note that there is more than two sexes and more than two genders. Keep this in your critical toolkit as you listen. Now let's hear that conversation. Hi, my name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a fourth generation white settler on Treaty 6 territory. Today, we'll be talking about mentorship within academia through a feminist lens. I'm very excited to be joined by my guest, Kimberly Barrett. Thank you so much for joining me today, uh, Kimberly. Uh, can you tell me a bit about yourself and the work that you do? Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I also use she, her pronouns. I'm a master's student at the University of Alberta in the biological sciences. I study cougar population dynamics using genetics. So there was a uh, paper that was published in Nature Communication and, um, you know, it's kind of the reason why we're having this conversation about uh, mentorship in academia, because that was kind of the subject of the paper. And the paper is called, so Nature Communications is open source. So if you go to Nature, uh, if you Google Na- Nature Communications and the title of this, uh, anybody can read it. And the title is The Association Between Early Career Informal Mentorship and Academic Collaborations and Junior Author Performance. And the authors are, my apologies if I'm not pronouncing these correctly, but uh, Bedour Al-Shebli, Kinga Makobi, and Talal Rewan. Um, yeah, Kim, if you can tell us how you got to know about this paper. I heard about this paper through uh, a lab mate, a postdoc in our lab, was had some pretty scathing thoughts about it, and rightfully so. They have some severe method, methodology issues, and their conclusions are really kind of wonky. So this paper is actually kind of blown up, so to speak, in the academic world, uh, specifically the science areas, because it recently came out uh, and there's been a lot of questions about their interpretation of the results. So what they did is they were trying to figure out if they could find any links between success and, and different correlates of success. So they were looking at how successful the mentors are, gender uh, is what they said they were looking at, 
yeah, so it was gender and how successful the previous mentors were, and they were correlating that with the success of their mentees. So they were using doing that through looking at citation rate and those cited on papers. So they would take a paper and then say through different metadata, they were trying to determine who were older uh, authors who'd been more established scientists and who were the younger authors. And then they said that if you were on a paper together, that, that you were definitely a mentor-mentee relationship, which as somebody who's trying to publish a paper right now, I have like four authors on my paper I've never met before, and I'm the lead author. So that relationship is really sus. And they also uh, used AI to determine gender from names, which is not best practice for sure. Um, but from all these kind of messy stats, they determined that determined a couple things. But the big one that everyone's talking about is they found that female mentors who took on female mentees had lower citation rates, so they were quote unquote less successful, and that their female mentees were also less successful if they were taken on by a female mentor. And their interpretation of these results is that, uh, well, they heavily implied that the diversity policies encouraging female female men mentorship should be disabled and disbanded. Yeah, which is not a great view of it. So they specifically encouraged female uh, uh, mentors to take on male students and female mentees to take on male mentors whenever possible because apparently we're not good for each other <laughs> when we're paired up. It, it, a horrifying interpretation, I, an, an alternative interpretation, if you believe in the results that they produced, are that potentially uh, sexism exists everywhere, including in how we cite each other and. <laughs> Yeah, if you're okay with me jumping in. Yeah, I also like the point that you made about, yeah, just again using AI to assume mentorship positions when, like you said, you're co-authoring papers. And um, I think mentorship ultimately comes down to relationships. I don't think that relationships can be or like, that's a big statement to say that they can't be qualified by data because there's a million studies out there that are doing that. But like, you know, these um, complex relationships uh, to not make these assumptions just based on data. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, there, there's definitely a way to, to, well, I come from a very science receptive, so I'm sure there's a way to quantify it if you go into the social sciences. But this specific method, I find some huge problems with because I have many female, female mentors currently. I, there's a PhD student in my lab that I have a meeting with later to help me out with some stuff. And uh, there's postdocs who are super helpful. And those are all really positive female mentorships that I have. But the help they're providing me isn't necessarily help that would translate into a citation. So the actual qualifications to be cited are... are are a bit more specific like is there something you've provided that will help with the creation of this paper right whereas potentially the help i'm getting is more like introductions to the field that's a bit less specific so those would not be captured in that they also excluded people who for whatever reason had seven a five-year gap in their record so um i don't know that screams moms to me personally or people who go into um who transition away from academia but they're still doing science right they're doing science in, in non-academic fields where not where publication isn't necessarily their output and it's funny because this this is this paper is open access so you can actually go look up the author uh, the reviewer comments right because this was this was a peer-reviewed paper 
all the all the comments are like you can't use this database this database is garbage where like everyone hates it why are you using it so that was a pretty big red flag too and like don't get me wrong is there definitely sexism in science absolutely like i'm in ecology it's a very male dominated field a very white field even more so like there's definitely discrepancies in citation rates and and representation does that translate to citations i i that would make absolute sense to me. I think the issue that most people have is the interpretation here. Definitely the interpretation is the big problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I found, found really interesting when I uh, went and looked up the paper is there was an editor's note. So the editor's note at that time said, readers are alerted that this paper is subject to criticisms that are being considered by the editors. Those criticisms were targeted to the author's interpretation of their data, that gender plays a role in the success of mentoring relationships between junior and senior researchers in a way that undermines the role of female mentors and mentees. We are investigating the concerns raised and an editorial response will follow the resolution of these issues. So I thought that was really interesting that the paper is still there and, you know, there's all these comments and it's been interesting to look through the comments. It's hilarious. Usually, <laughs> usually I try not to, but these ones are really great because there's so many wonderful you know, people in science, like, not only um, just women saying, you know, this is wrong, and this is why I believe it, but even, you know, uh, male colleagues saying this is absolutely not correct. This is sexism, too. So I think it really uh, points to the importance of, you know, feminism needing to be, you know, the job of everybody. Yeah, and then seeing the, like, trolly, unfortunately, the trolls seem to be mostly uh, men, from what I could tell, but of course, we don't want to assume gender. But yeah, there's still, like, it was disappointing to still see some of those trolly comments. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I would say that I imagine there's also quite a few kind of older scientists who are kind of just biting their tongue and just letting it slide here. But yeah, no, it's an interesting, there's a huge generational divide in science right now, of like younger, younger generations coming in and thinking about these social issues and, and considering representation in science and kind of coming clashing up against some of the more less easily swayed I suppose uh, the, of the older generation yeah but it's promoting some interesting conversations for sure yeah I'm curious as to know what kind of those conversations have looked like in you know in your field and what um, those conversations have been yeah so I mean uh, sexism in science is by no means new I'm in ecology specifically too so there, there's uh, not me specifically, but there's a large amount of field work that happens, and field work is kind of thought to be a bit more uh, male, right? Because you're off in the woods, and you, you know, it's a lot of brute force work happening out there, and there's some um, thoughts that women can't necessarily do the same task or won't be as strong. And uh, there's been some conversations with uh, with colleagues of mine who do act, who do field work more regularly than I do and uh, how difficult it is to, to be taken seriously and that the opportunity to practice things right to practice odd skills that are learned in the middle of the woods are disproportionately given to male colleagues as opposed to their female counterparts um, and, and it's, it's an awkward position to be in too right because you can always interpret it as being like well i'm actually not qualified right this person actually knows what they're doing and it's and to some degree, yeah, because you've never been trained. So it's, uh, I've had that conversation with colleagues. I've had conversations about, 
Oh, I before I joined this university, uh, this university, I went and and spoke with a, another female mentor and just kind of asked what her thoughts are and like what kind of sexism she's seen. And she was saying that she'd had one of her old supervisors tell her that if she dared to get pregnant, like that she couldn't, she shouldn't even dare get pregnant during this program because she had because her program was like she needed to get this job done and a baby was just unacceptable which like regardless of if that was in her plans or not it's totally unacceptable so there's it's definitely there's a there's a lot of it and it's she's she was a bit of an older mentor so it's a bit of a different time but it's a serious discussion i have a friend who's trying to publish a paper and is getting constant feedback from male co-authors who are just constantly questioning her methods and making her redo things and it's like these are and in a way that's clearly not just disagreeing about methodology so it's yeah yeah I think that really uh shows how those stereotypes that like um, people might not even be consciously having, but that kind of unconscious stereotype that we see women as less qualified, as less analytical, as, uh, you know, not being willing to be doing rugged or dangerous work and kind of how those stereotypes play out. And I think also, like you're saying, the older generation being a lot of older white men, and then who are they going to choose for the people that, you know, who are they going to see themselves as, who are they going to see themselves represented in is the new young white men and not seeing mentoring uh, new people that same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing colleagues, a lot of whom are female, but uh, and it's a mixed bag because partly I, I think there's definitely a bias of male profs disproportionately thinking that male students are going to do better, even if they don't necessarily have the grades to back that up. But also, I mean, personally, I had to go ask my supervisor in undergrad if he would take me on as a student. And I was terrified because, uh, I mean, I was a very good student. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know where my, my insecurity was coming from, but to get up the nerve to go ask him, like I had the audacity to believe I had any, I was any way qualified to do science. Like that took a lot of nerve. And I had all this evidence behind me to show me that I was actually somewhat qualified to do this. And I imagine if my academic record wasn't as good, I would have been, and I would not have been able to summon the nerve. Whereas I know some male colleagues had good students for sure, but not anywhere near the grades I had. And, uh, were more comfortable going to ask for that. So there's also some, you know, self issues here, right? Of how we, what we see of what looks like, what, what looks like scientists and what doesn't look like a scientist. Yeah, no, that's so interesting that kind of, yeah, these systemic issues being brought forward um, by this paper. And I find it also interesting that, yeah, even with that note, Nature Communication saying there's these issues with this paper, but like the fact that it was published in the first place. Um, right? I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, if you look at the peer review, like, so this, like, Nature, so for those of you not in the sciences, like the two big, big papers in science are, well, science and nature. And this isn't like the nature paper. This is one of their kind of umbrella journals. It's nature communication. So it's less of this, it's not quite the same bar as nature, but it's still respected. It has the, the aura of a nature paper. And so the man, that the fact that it managed to get through that, like that's, that's wild. The thing is, is like you send your paper off, right? And a minimum of three other people in your field tear it apart, right? 
That's what they do for fun. They just make you question all your life decisions. <laughs> and, and, and because it's nature, they, there was four authors who, who criticized this paper, and I've, I've skimmed them pretty hard. Uh, and they're scathing. There's, 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 the, there's one in particular that is like, they full caps in one part say, like, you cannot say this. You know, <laughs> that's, quite a, that's quite a comment. That's quite a note to receive on that. <laughs> full caps. Like these are, you know, professionals. You don't full cap stuff, right? Especially in a professional response to, to, to a journal. And I know, I mean, I'm disappointed in nature communications and I'll definitely not be taking their papers seriously moving forward. And um, I mean, and, and that's kind of the conversation going around. Okay, so one of the base understandings in science is that correlation does not equal causation. And that was a clear thing that was violated here. Like, and, and that was in the author in the, in, the, in the peer reviews too, where they're like, you're just implying causation here when there's known to be sexism in this field. Like, yeah, and, and one thing that's, that I, I, I forgot to mention earlier is that um, other papers have found that, like, when females mentor other females, when females have female mentors, that increases retention, right? So one of the issues that we have in science, in any academic field, I would imagine, but I know it's specifically true in science, is that um, if you look at the introduction, like, if you look at a first-year science class, there's more female students than male students in there, right? And then as the years progress, more and more women drop out and then by the time you get to a master's by the time you get to a phd by the time you see what it looks like in, in a professor position it really we there's a there's more males than there are females at the end of the day which doesn't make sense because it's like you know more than 50 percent of the beginning are, are are female like i know i in my class like i was in ecology which is very male uh, male dominant there's a lot of interest there so like introductory, it was a lot of, I think the majority of my classmates were female. And then by the end of it, I think by the end of my bachelor's degree, um, I think there was like four other ecology students that were, that I graduated with and like seven male. So that just kind of gives you like a bit of the, of the balance there. And that's just, you know, a bachelor's and then that's not even expanding outwards. Yeah, so that's retention in terms of like if you see yourself represented, you feel more comfortable in those environments and like will stay longer in the field. Absolutely, yeah, because you know if it's a, if it's a you know like you can fight the good fight, but do you want to fight the good fight all the time, right? Like at some point, people want to start a family and have other considerations, and if you're you know just struggling in a really unhealthy work environment, that's not that's not fun. What I find interesting is that for me, the first time that I thought about the concept of gender more deeply and beyond moving beyond the gender binary was actually in high school science. I had a really great science teacher that kind of talked about, you know, gender. And I think it was when we were learning about chromosomes. So then how we assume chromosomes assume gender and blah, blah, blah. And then saying that, like, actually, we think of gender as a binary, but actually there's, if we look at it from a scientific point of view, gender is so much more expansive than that. And uh, it's not two simple categories. That's just humans kind of uh, making things more simple because humans mind work better in categories. But actually, if you look at it scientifically, it's not. So the fact that science has been on our side to prove that like gender isn't on the binary, but yet science is here like reinforcing the binary. 
I find that wild too. Like I, I, I study genetics, right? Like I, I taught genetics at, uh, at U of A. Like I, I was one of the TAs there teaching genetics. Like, yeah, there's an X and a Y chromosome. Sure. But you can combine those in a gazillion different ways. So there's intersex people. There's people who have, you know, multiple copies of, 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 either, of like you can have three sex chromosomes, right? Like that's not male, female, you know what I mean? So that's really frustrating. And, and, and sex does not represent gender. That's gender is how you see yourself, right? Like that has nothing to do with your, you know, your body parts. <laughs> like that's, that's, yeah, that's wild to me. That's, that's people who don't really want to think about it too much. Cause, uh, cause I've had this conversation with most of my fellow classmates who are scientists and I've been like, well, you know, that intersex people exist. Like, you know, there's XXY people, you know, you know, there's YY and there's people who have YY chromosomes, you know, there's people who have XXX, like, you know, that, like, I know, you know, that, that was, we studied that we studied the likelihood of that happening. And they're like, yeah, but that's just like such a small percentage. It's like, well, <laughs> like that doesn't actually change the fact that they exist though like it's so funny trying to see them justify themselves yeah that is so interesting how you can know something academically and yet kind of I feel like that's like compartmentalizing of like the you know the science part of your brain where academically you know this and yet when you're out in society it feels like a different world and so people kind of like ignoring that science and saying oh sure I might know this in one way but I'm not gonna actually like think about this deeply when I'm out in the world and talking to other people. It's, it's a serious problem. I mean, that's how you get, you know, scientists who, you know, deny climate change and say that vaccines don't work. It's like, yeah, cause you, or, or the other thing is like, you know, just because you're a scientist doesn't mean you're a scientist, you're, you're qualified in all fields, right? You, you studied one thing for a very long time and maybe you're predisposed to being able to sit through a nasty long paper and try and puzzle it out, but you're not qualified to talk about every field. Can you uh, tell me a bit more about uh, the mentorship that you've received in your own academic career and kind of what that's looked like for you? Absolutely, yeah. So I've been really lucky. I've had two very good supervisors. They were, I'm talking about the more formal supervisors. So I had one that I did my undergraduate research with, and then I'm currently uh, studying under one now. And they've been really great. They were both male. Um, and that was that was a consideration when I was picking uh, a mentor. At my previous university, there wasn't really many to pick from that were actively doing science in, in an area that was interesting to me. So that limits things. But at this university, I knew that the supervisor that I picked was pretty well known, that uh, he had a lot of institutional support because he was there for a long time. So those are all things that people take into consideration when, uh, when picking a supervisor. And uh, yeah, no, it's a very serious consideration to take alongside all the other things of like, you know, do you like the university? Are you gonna get paid while up there? Are you, um, is there a good lab that you're gonna enter into? Cause you know, your supervisor, there's different supervisory capacities. My supervisors have always been a bit more, I've always preferred a supervisor that's always a bit more distant to give me the room to do what I want to do. But there are others who are, you know, a bit like, you know, at your door asking you if you've read that paper yet, you know. Um, so that's another consideration that's, that's pretty uh, important. And the other thing is, is the lab environment too. So like, the help I get is mostly from my colleagues who are not my direct mentor by any means. 
and without them, this would be a lot more miserable than it is. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, supervisors are incredibly helpful, but but mentors um, that aren't your supervisor are also incredibly helpful too. Because sometimes you have a question that you need to ask that feels a little like, you know, you'd ask your, like if you're, you know, in a job, you're going to ask your colleague, you're not going to go straight to the boss to ask, like, how do you close the register? It's acting weird. You know what I mean? So like, the, those are those are where those kind of more intermediate mentorships are really valuable. Yeah, I guess um, one of the positives that we can see is, you know, this paper is so terrible, but at least like the fact that it's getting so much negativity and that it's not being respected. And, you know, like I would hate for this paper to come out and then have, you know, women in academia feel worse about themselves. But the fact that they're seeing that like, oh, no, this is not we're not at the point where this is being taken seriously. And at least others agree that this is not OK and places can't get away with kind of this much rampant sexism anymore yeah i mean i think there are potentially people who take this seriously but those are the same people who wouldn't have taken on a female student in the first place and it probably not a very great environment to be in it to begin with i know my my supervisor was thought this paper was pretty funny like supervisors who take representation in their in their labs seriously they're not going to be swayed by this hopefully Thank you so much for uh, having this conversation with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I was a little fire burning in me when I, when I read this paper, so it's good to have an outlet. And I think it sparked a really interesting conversation for everybody. I mean, clearly we've talked about this for a while now. So, you know, the science is garbage, but we've had a really, a really valuable conversation. So that's, that's important. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this week's episode of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. We produced this week's show in the studios of CJSR FM 88.5 on Amiskwachewaskigan, Treaty 6 territory, or colonially known as Edmonton, Alberta. We recognize that colonialism is ongoing and violent. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and ask what accountability would look like here in practice for yourself the communities you're part of, and the larger systems that shape our everyday access and opportunities. Thanks to our contributors for this episode, Rose Eva Force Jenkins and Kimberly Barrett. This was a great opportunity to question how quote-unquote objective sources, such as a scientific paper, can still be subject to many gender biases. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR 88.5 FM, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information or to send us any feedback, please feel free to contact us on our Facebook page or tweet at us at Adam and Eve. And if you're interested in getting involved in radio, please reach out. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out and would be happy to have you on our team. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Wen Chan. Have an adamant evening.